patience and purpose, our work to fight disease has always been about the patient, and it always will be. COVID-19 may have exacerbated the challenges that patients face, like staying on their medications, keeping their appointments, and maintaining a positive outlook. But it has also presented many new opportunities for us to help our patients not only to cope, but to thrive. So, how is COVID-19 affecting patients in the U.S.? And what can we as marketers do to better support the patients we service? Our PNP Strategic Collective put together a patient perspectives report, the first of a two-part series. This installment will cover the implications for patient marketers in the current environment. I'm your host, Kate Rubin. Let's get started. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Marcella Rosso. Marcella is a VP Strategy Director at PMP and helped spearhead the Patient Perspective COVID-19 report. Welcome, Marcella. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So could you take us through what the PMP Strategic Collective is? Sure. Uh, We're a group of experts from different types of skills and knowledge, and we actually come together to provide purposeful perspectives to all of our clients um, on challenges and opportunities, and we actively engage with all of them to ensure that we bring the right expertise when needed. Excellent. Tell us a little bit more about the PMP Patient Perspectives on COVID-19 report and how it came about. Yes, we know there's a lot of reports out there about COVID-19, but what we wanted to do was to provide the patient perspective from it um, and how people with different conditions are being affected by the current situation and also how brands can help them uh, navigate what's currently happening. Yeah, there's definitely a lot going on. Um, so when you were doing your research, what distinct sources of data and information did you look at specifically? Um, there were actually a couple. We knew that we knew that we actually needed to reach out to patients and get their initial perspective. So that's the reason why we set up a survey for some of the like quant data in order to ask them questions and to get a feel to what was happening. Um, we also did a lot of social listening because we understand that there's a lot of conversation happening online. So what we did first was to do some primary research. Uh, we actually sent a survey to people with. Um, who are actually taking medication, um, prescription medication, that is, to be able to see like, what was happening and how they're currently coping with the situation with COVID-19. We also did a lot of social listening because we understood that there's a lot of like social chatter that is happening online, and we wanted to understand what people from different conditions are saying in respect of their condition and COVID-19. Once we did all that, we took... Um, two different disease states, uh, type 2 diabetes and uh, sickle cell. And the reason why we did that is because we wanted to get a sense of like the personality of those two types, whether they changed before and after COVID-19 started. And we use IBM Watson to do that. And last but not least, we use Q, which is a platform from Sparks and Honey that helps us to visualize any cultural change. So we use that to inform to what are currently people being exposed to uh, from a cultural perspective and how that's affecting uh, how they're taking the situation that is affecting all of us. So how did each of the sources shed a different light on the situation? Sure. So from a primary research perspective, we were able to ask very poignant questions uh, to people in terms of like where they're getting their sources of information, whether some of their behaviors have changed. 
when we did social listening, that was actually giving us an insight of to like what people were actually doing and uh, posting it online. With IBM Watson, as I mentioned, it gives us an idea if the personality of a disease type changed before and after, whether they were more open on how they were speaking about their condition or whether they were more reserved and afraid of change. And from a cue perspective, because it allows us to see all of the types of news and information that people are exposed to, we were able to see um, different sources of information and um, kind of like see how those sources of information were affecting people and their decisions that they were making. Got it. Yeah. It sounds like there was a lot of data and information mining. And from that, what sort of themes came to light? Sure. Um, It took a village. It took a lot of of people to actually put this report together. Um, One of the themes which I know is not surprising is anxiety, because I guess everyone is anxious about the future and what's currently happening. So that was not very surprising to us. Uh, What was very surprising to us was how people who are currently taking medication are very afraid about having the access to the treatments that they have. Um, and also how people are modifying their doctor visits to ensure that they can still have those communications with their HCPs. And last but not least, um, which I thought was the most surprising, was where people are trying to get their information from. Yeah. With these themes in mind, how did you then start to think about what some of the implications would be for marketers? Um, I think one of the biggest ones, which I briefly mentioned, was access to treatments. Um, For that one is twofold. First, you have those people who are afraid of not getting enough medication or not having enough medication on hand. And they're also afraid of going to the pharmacy. So they might be asking their doctors to fill prescriptions or pharmacists to fill prescriptions three months, four months at a time. Um, And there are ways in which they can actually ask their doctor to do that or their pharmacy. But not many people are aware that that could be an option for them. And then the second one, which is a lot more concerning is that we know that unfortunately a lot of people have lost their jobs due to this current situation. And with that, they have lost the access to health insurance. Um, And losing health insurance for someone who is currently taking a treatment is very um, concerning because they know that they have to take these treatments. Um, So for a brand, I think it's very important that they inform patients all of the different uh, access that their brands offer in order for them to provide the therapy that the patients need. Um, And also inform them that they should continue to take their treatments and how that could potentially mitigate the effects um, or anything that might be associated with COVID-19. So it's not only just providing people with the information that they need, to get access to the treatments, but also offer them the help that is already established by all of our brands in order to get those treatments. Got it. Yeah. I feel like with concerns piling up, um, I'm curious to know what were some of the outlets that patients were turning to, to sort of voice these thoughts? Uh, Well, social media is definitely a key thing. You have Twitter and Facebook, people definitely voicing um, all of their concerns. But many of them actually turn to blogs and uh, long form of kind of like expressing themselves and their current situation. In terms of like people actually searching for information on treatments and COVID-19, which I thought was interesting is that instead of going to 
health condition specific websites or brand websites, they were actually turning to news sites. And um, I thought that that was very surprising or at least interesting for me to know that people may, it's not that they're going away from social media, but they're actually going back to like news sites in order to get information, probably because they want to get something that is more up to date and something that could be um, of a source of um, what's happening. Right. Yeah. Kind of a more traditional form of, yeah. of news. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see how that would be surprising. Was there anything else that was surprising or that was unique to you? Um, I, I think that something that was very unique to me too is that I mentioned earlier, um, many people may not be getting access to the treatments that they will otherwise will have access to because they lost their health insurance. And many of them actually are unaware of all of the different programs that many of our brands offer for people that still need to take, like they still need these medications and are unfortunate not to have health insurance anymore. So it was surprising to me that people don't know that this type of sources or this type of information could be available to them. So you did speak to some marketer implications and what can be done. Is there anything else that clients can think about that they should be, you know, if they want to sort of walk that walk um, and talk that talk? Sure. I think that the first thing that they should do is like really dig into social listening and see what their current patients are actually saying, uh, what their concerns are, and then try to mitigate those concerns once they understand what's happening. Um, Also understand that everyone is going through different types of emotions and just come from the fact that everyone, we're all people and we're trying to cope with this at the same time. Um, we, they also have a great opportunity to position themselves as the primary source of information. We know that people are out there trying to find ways to understand their treatments, their condition in relation with COVID-19 or just in general and just being able to help those brands provide that information to patients is key. Yeah. So obviously making patients better, making them feel like they're heard is paramount. So are there ways that we can keep making patients better? I I know that you spoke to this a little bit, but is there anything else that should be top of mind? Um, yes, we, I think that one key thing that like brands should do is evolving the language on how they talk to patients as well. Um, we know that people may express their condition in different ways. They may express their treatments in different ways and be able to provide them with information that they can actually understand is key. So a way to actually evolve how we speak to patients is key, especially in times like this when everyone is very concerned, there's a lot of anxiety, and you don't want to add to that that anxiety that's already out in the open. Yeah, yeah. From the deep dive that you did, are there any trends you saw that are sustainable post-COVID? I think that the way that people are relating to their um, healthcare professionals or their doctors on how or how they are actually being able to go back to those doctor visits has changed or is changing. Um, We did see that there's a big spike on use of telehealth or telemedicine. So there's a lot of people who are actually having, like you and I, this type of conversation over Zoom or anything like that, um, just to be able to have access to that doctor and and be able to continue those conversations and managing their treatments. 
Um, and we also have a part two coming out in a couple of weeks in which we actually took a deeper look into any of the durable trends that might happen because of COVID-19. So stay tuned. Awesome. Well, from the comfort of my bedroom, it's odd not being able to see you in person, Marcella, but it was an absolute pleasure to pick your brain and talk to you. And um, I hope that you stay well, healthy, and as happy as one can be under these uh, circumstances. <laughs> thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Same. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you found some value in our report findings as you lead your teams in supporting patients through these challenging times. Be sure to stay tuned to the second installment of this COVID-19 podcast series for more information on longer-term durable trends in patient healthcare. And be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and all your other favorite social platforms. Thanks. <laughs>